0: Welcome to episode 234 of Speaking of Mysteries. I'm Nancy Clare, and we're catching up with Cara Black whose murder at the Porte de Versailles, her 20th Amy LeDuc mystery was published in March by Soho Press. So I understand that you are prepping to leave for Paris. So thank you for taking the time to talk to us. My
1: pleasure, my pleasure. And I'm really excited to go to France and, and you know, just uh go to lunch with the police les flics buy them wine and you know hear what's been happening with them and get some more you know research done for my next book so oh that's they really, call it
0: research it's work nancy i'm working <laughs> uh so you took a break uh uh to write and shared with the world your standalone world war ii thriller Three Hours in Paris. And we, we talked about that book. It was an amazing book. Uh, so how Thank does you. it feel to pick up Amy's story? You know, and as I've mentioned in the 20th uh, novel, was it a ref- pause that refreshes or were you really missing Amy and looking forward to, to getting back to her?
1: Well, it's funny. My um, editor was saying, see, you've been in 1940 for too long. Now you can come back to... Uh, 2001, right after, you know, 9-11 in New York. Um, But um, it was, it was a little shift because, of course, I was writing it during the pandemic too. And I also had longer with this book. And it, uh, you know, I had to really go deeper, I think. And um, it was kind of nice to be back with Amy LeDuc and the family, you know, Amy's family, her world. Um, it was really warm and my editor said the same thing she said I was really happy to edit even during the pandemic it was just I was back with them you know and um, so I was proud to hear that and I, I like being with them because you know Amy I've been with her for quite a while I was feeling a bit unfaithful there going doing a thriller uh, but now we're now we're back and we're tight and it was good, it was really good. It's good to be with her.
0: All of the them world. were, uh, and, and she remarks upon that at the beginning of the book. Uh, her father, of course, has passed on and her mother, uh, Sydney, is in the wind, but she's looking around her apartment on the Ile Saint Louis. It's her daughter's third birthday and she's seeing all her friends and she says to herself, this is my family. So we, we miss them too. Thank you, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Sometimes
1: our families are not our
0: biological family. That's true, it's our family's choice. So as in the previous uh, uh, novels, uh, Amy moves around Paris. And for this installment, it's just after 9-11, as you mentioned. And much of the action is taking place in the 15th arrondissement. Uh, So talk a little bit about the time, this post 9-11 period, and the physical geographical place of this novel.
1: Sure. Well, 9-11 you know, hit us in this country, but there was of course um, in France too. I mean, no one really knew what was going on or where the attacks were. And what I found out uh, in my research was that 10 days after 9-11, there was a huge explosion in Toulouse, which is down south on the, water, on the Mediterranean, It's um, uh, Rose Brick City, Antoine de Saint exupery the little prince um, author, um, lived there. Uh, it's also like the French NASA, you know, center of aerospace industry. So there was an explosion there. And I remember hearing about that later and thinking, is that connected? So that's in the background what's happening in France. And I feel there was a big lid and I was told that there was a big lid put on this, you know, investigation, not that they weren't investigating, but it wasn't coming out, which I'm sure we didn't hear in this country either for people's safety and to stop, you know, this rising fear. But it was a time of unease. So I know that was going on. And I, um, I felt that I could, you know, bring that out. But again, you know, in France, they have a long history of, there's a lot of bombings that happen. They're often political statements. And uh, so I wanted to bring that out. And it takes place in the 15th arrondissement, which is as second largest arrondissement. Amy has a very good acquaintance with it because the butcher, Monsieur Lebel, who is a real butcher, um <laughs> sells horse meat. Uh, he's got his, the gold, uh, you know, the bust of the horse on top of his butcher shop, as well as other meat. And of course, he had to go in the story. Um, but Amy has to go across town to go buy horse meat for her dog, Davies, Miles Davis, Miles Davis, her bichon frise, because it's harder and harder to find a butchery with the horse meat. So she's very acquainted. She goes to the markets there. And... Um, but it's the, the population is the size of Bordeaux, you know, a lot of people, super residential. And Nancy, you probably have gone through it more than once, <laughs> but you probably haven't stopped there because there's no big monuments, you know? Uh, you know, it's really residential. It has some uh, very modern or, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, not attractive that we think of attractive, but modern buildings, built along this part of the Seine that it borders. And that's where the old Renault factory was, you know, because that used to be a huge factory making Renault cars and the workers living there. So it used to be kind of industrial, old style industrial with workers housing around it. And you still find those pockets. It's close to the borders, the 7th arrondissement, you know, the chic
0: Yeah,
1: the fancy part, The fancy part with the Eiffel, you can actually see the Eiffel Tower from some parts of the 15th. I had friends who moved in that little segment of the 15th. That's because if you're in this little part of the 15th, you can go to the school that's part of the 7th, you know, good school. So it's all, you know, if you haven't, it's kind of the place you move to. If you have a good job, you have money. But um, you've done your partying, you finished university, you start to have a family, and you want to still live in Paris, but you need some room. So you would, you know, try to live in the 15th. You've done your clubbing, you know. So <laughs> you, you just want to go where you've got your cheese shop here and the butcher and the, the baker, and they're all very close. Um, I mean, the other place that's still affordable, well, if you is the 19th arrondissement. But, you know, we're talking... proximity to Paris especially if you work well you know you work in the center but the 15th has a beautiful park uh, and um, you know there's history Um, the uh, the cover
0: of my book you have the cover of the book actually I read it electronically so I I and my copy is in Romans
1: okay well here it is so you see the books here Mm-hmm. What they from what they didn't get in the red, this is from the uh, antique book market that's held in the old abattoir where they would kill, slaughter the animals. Mm-hmm. And it had uh, 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 like Art Nouveau, um, what do you call it, broad iron ceiling with glass designed by Eiffel because he did a lot of things, not only the Eiffel Tower. So you just imagine this with that Art Nouveau glass, it's all open, like open air market. It was a slaughterhouse, and on the weekends they have this. The um, I think this is like my picture that they photoshopped of the ancient uh, book uh, market. And you know, you go there and you drool-worthy. It's drool-worthy. It's just wonderful. So you know, there's that part. Um, George Brassard, who was a folk singer, kind of a, a more of a well, he was more than a folk singer, but everybody uh, from set kind of political, just played his guitar. He he lived there. The park is named after him. You know, uh, there's La Ruche, which means the hive, where the art, which also was from, uh, you know, night when they had the Paris Exposition in 1900. They made a lot of buildings and then they moved them around and they saved this giant hive. And artists worked in there, you know, even um, Modigliani, I mean, famous because it was cheap. And you could just be there It had nothing, you know, no services, but they camped there. This is when they had no money, but, so that's there. um, And now
0: artists have reclaimed it. So it's really nice. And you include that. You do have some artists that are working in the area. You you always, even if they're not major characters, and this is one of the things that's so attractive and, and I think sticky about the story is, we meet all these people that live and work in Paris uh, and that's, that's, that's terrific. And the other, thing, the other thing I appreciated, especially about this novel, because this novel was all of your novels weave in history. A lot of them weave in uh, France's colonial history. This one, I thought placed France and specifically Paris into context what, we, what was going on in the country in post 9-11, 2001. Because people from the Middle East have always relocated to Paris. And, you know, even in the story, and it's not a spoiler, one of the national security officers Emmy has been working with was reassigned to the detail protecting the former Shah of Iran's wife, which is like, oi, sacre blue. I mean, you know, but I think this was part of the milieu of the city at the time. And, yeah, and- exactly that heightened uh,
1: tension. Exactly. And you know, doing research on that, I found out that Faradiva, the wife of the former Shah, uh, she met him in Paris. Can you believe it? Because again, she's from a very sophisticated, elite, very educated cosmopolitan class. She, her father had gone to the Sorbonne, I think studying architecture. Uh, the, and then she went, I believe, to the Sorbonne or another architecture school. And when the Shah came to visit, he met her there. So there's this very strong tie. And the French, very, at least from what I gather, really honor that. You know, I think she went to live there after, and now she lives in the States. But So there's that very incredible connection. And then you have all the Iranian emigres who live near in the 15th arrondissement that Tehran source sent, which I had no idea until I had lunch with my friend. She said, I made reservations at this Iranian restaurant. And I said, oh, cool. Is that, you know, a thing? And she said, yeah, it's a thing. So, so then I went down there and there's little shops, you know, and um, I I just thought, wow, there's a whole little enclave, you know, and they came in different ways, right?
0: and I think the Persians, uh, you know, as you know, I live in Los Angeles, and we have a very large uh, Persian uh, community, and they they remain a very close knit community even through the generations. And so, I would think in 2001, which is approximately 22 years after the the Shah's fall, it would still be a very tight knit community in the 15th Arrondissement. So. That added a little uh, tension. I, I I like that because you you weave and if you, you have to cast your mind back, there was so much uncertainty at the time. What Definitely. was going on? You know who who did what to whom, and you know so it was. I thought you did a. I think I thought it was just. It It's a to me. It's a more involved story. Than, than usual. And I wonder if that is because of the pandemic and you had more time to really drill down. I think so, Nancy.
1: I, you know, I'm looking back at it and seeing it. I did have more time, you know, and I, I also needed to dig deep in that arrondissement because there's no monuments. You know, like, what is it about the arrondissement? What is it? What is that ambiance? What, what do people think of? So when you say to a Parisian, Oh, the 15th arrondissement, right? Like you would say, you know, and they go, they yawn. Okay. So that's what I was dealing with. I'm like, oh, how can I, you know, and then and actually my niece a couple of years ago went to went there and stayed there in the in the 15th. And she came back and told me. And I said, why? <laughs> you know, so I was admit I was prejudiced, but you know, there's always murder underneath. But I I think I did have to dig deeper and and what what came to me was family, you know it's really about family there you know any kind of family that's where families live, you know, and Amy, you know for Amy to also explore her family and and about what you know about you go right the young boy, the teenager, his family, and all the families and it just that's what I had to work with, you know and um I really I sort of thought uh, am I being mean to Aimé because Hugo is kind of a you know someday Chloe's going to be that age as well right she's only 3 now is that kind of a foreshadowing you know even though he's a boy but he's French but he's a teenager yeah and what you have to look forward to right with teenagers but also about about witnessing too
0: yes because you know as is often the case with your stories that The crimes are layered. There's been, um, uh, something's happened to a young woman and it is, uh, it may or may not be a crime, but meanwhile, Amy has gone to investigate a bombing at the police lab because her friend who works there has gone back to retrieve Chloe's birthday present the place is blown up, he's in a coma, and he's getting blamed. And and what I found fascinating and is that Amy is so good, Amy is so good at what she does, that she and, and she's obviously not gonna go away, that she is pressed into service by the National uh, Security Forces, the French equivalent of the uh, FBI, that I'm not even gonna attempt to pronounce.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh that was uh I that was another twist, you know, but of course she could use that. You know, um and um when I when I talked to people I met uh, uh arson experts, I met I talked to bomb techs, you know, I visited both of I visited the police laboratory several times. I became BFF with the lab head, Claire um, who I'm going to bring a book to when I go next week to Paris. Ah, uh, yeah. And um, she, she's, you know, it, just one side here. When I went to visit the police lab, Claire that was the director. It's a biological police lab, right, where they, where they examine and analyze evidence, all kinds of evidence, blood, semen, chemical. But they don't do fingerprints per se, unless it's a bloody fingerprint and they're getting the blood. So when she took me on one of my many, many tours, I noticed that there was like one guy then there was another guy. There was like two men in this whole laboratory of of, uh, female scientists, lab technicians, lab supervisor. you know. And I said to Claire, you know, you know, I don't know. There's, uh, you know, and I met the guy and he goes, I'm one of the two token men here (laughs) in French. I just thought that was so interesting, you know that women were really at the forefront in this place, anyway, you know, scientists. I mean, they're, this is high up the ladder, a very responsible job, but you know what I mean? It's, there was no, and then I went to the bomb section where the bomb, ex, you know, center is and the arson and they have the robots. And she, it was a woman too, you know? So I was just, that was just really, really, I love that, you know? And I said, I'm gonna tell everybody about that because I think it's wonderful. But I think, and I lost what you were saying.
0: Well, uh, I, I, you know, I was, I was saying that that I, I got so interested in what you were saying that that um, I forgot my question (laughs) because it wasn't one of my written questions. But uh, she she is pressed into service by the by the internal, the domestic. uh, investigative service or the French, you know, I read about it and it's kind of like the FBI, maybe a little bit more like MI5 in England. They, they, you know, they really investigate it because I guess in the world of this, uh, laboratory, her friend who went back, one of the two men that worked there. And you're right. Mm -hmm. When she's talking to people at the lab, they are all women. And, uh, you know, I think- I think it makes, well, it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, and, and you know, I think
1: in France, when you know, there was so much going on, right? Of course, 9-11, no one, I mean, no one in the world was prepared for 9-11. And it caught us you know, too, right? Remember, our, the FBI wasn't working with this. It's kind of when everybody came together and said, we're not gonna do this alone, you know, whether there's a crash site here, we've all got to put it together. So that was a big changing point in the world and especially for our country. So in France, I think I could use that. And, and it's, uh, you know, I, they would, why not, you know, and they would put that. So, I mean, he is domestic, but you know, there's those, those tentacles to the foreign, you know, of course, because they everyone now has to kind of come together with the resources they have. And I met, um, an arson expert and, um, he you know he described i mean he worked on the notre dame fire and he told me you know he said what what do you want to happen at the bomb at the uh, police lab and i sh- i said i want it to explode and he goes well how much do you want it to explode and i go well this and then and he took okay and he just sketched it out on a napkin you know because this man does this every day you know and he put it well with this kind of force and this kind of explosive that kind of thing and then this and you know and it was like, brilliant, right? I mean, i diabolical, he but brilliant. Yeah, you said, you're not going to do this, are you? I said, no, of course not. I know that. I know him. You know, Anyway, I give him a book too, but no, they know that. But it's kind of, I really wanted to get it right. And it's really incredible what they do, uh, how detailed, of course, but like there's an explosion or a fire and you ha- they had to go to the next block and take with a Q-tip, and take swabs from the street signs, because they have to yeah, know that in the book. What, yeah. that they have to write know the chemical they have to I mean that's real stuff you know and it's a lot of work. Yeah that's right it happened
0: in that wonderful bookstore. But you know the interesting thing is you know as AIM, as Emmy is working with um, this the national uh, force police force and investigating this mostly because it's her friend who has been sort of had this bombing pinned on him is, you know, there is confirmation bias in many police forces. And I felt that's that, that she was encountering confirmation bias there. They, they just, this was the path of least resistance. And that's always when she shines. That's always when your heroine shines, when, when she's uh, knows something is amiss and has to uh, move, you know, sort of move the pieces of the puzzle in such a way that that the true picture will be shown. And she really does it, and it's super detailed. And it's it's you just it's you can't put it down. It's like, well what's going to happen next? You know.
1: Thank you, thank you. Yeah, and it's um they really don't like her at the police. You know, she's just totally overstepping and. Yeah, which most private eyes would, you know, get that because they're not policed, you know.
0: Although she does have connections, you know, her her father had been in the police, he'd been disgraced, and then he was exonerated. Uh, But there's still a little bit of, um, there's residual issues, shall we say, but I don't want to go too deeply into that. (laughs) One thing I want to say, though, is I have always admired Amy's time management skills. And how she manages to get all of her on her scooter, on buses, in the metro, cabs. But in this novel, for the first time, it seems as though her skills are being put to the test. She seemed to be running behind the whole time. Um, and in this book, she's allowed uh, Chloe to go to the country with her father, uh, Malak. And I thought biological father. Yeah. Yeah, her biological father. And I thought that just shows uh I think we're coming up to something, aren't we, with um with Amy and, and her family. Because Chloe's a three now. She's not a baby, she's turning into a kid. What's she gonna do? Balance the work-life balance, childcare, even in France.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Like many of my friends who, who are, there are some single mothers or even, you know, both married, I mean, married and both working, you know, they still juggle childcare, right? Because if people were, you know, people have to work if they live in Paris, you know, because it's so expensive. So, um, so you you're always worried about childcare um, and your Amy single mother with him around sometimes is, is juggling, you know, business, What's going? And actually, for once, her business is doing well. Huh? She's mm-hmm. she's gotten away from the outside investigation to do the court uh, testimony as an expert, and so that's really working out. is really happy with that because she's around more. She like she can be with Chloe more often, and uh, so that's that's good. But then this happens, and I think this is you know I like to read, you know I love to read mysteries and I love all kinds, but. I also love when it, it feels personal to the and protagonist. And this is definitely, um, you know, personal for her. I mean, I thought about when my son turned three, when I had a big birthday party for him, you know, with all the people from the preschool, the parents, blah, 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 all this, everything going on. My, what if my really good best friend had to forgot the present wanted to go just, you know, very close by and get it. And what if they never returned, you know? that's like you know I don't know that really hit me so Uh um I wanted it personal and I wanted it like we know Boris but we've met him and Mishu before I mean they babysit they're you know they're like a hundred percent but what is going on you know so hopefully it raises a story question um well it should raise a story question like why or how or did he um and uh you know makes you turn the page
0: so Oh, absolutely. And uh, and I think that, you know, it, it's it's not a secret because it's in the previous books that Malak wants Amy to move to Brittany and uh, bring up Chloe in the country. And this is, you know, this is a hard, so I mean by a crossroads, this is a hard crossroad for any mother. I, you don't have to tell us, What's going to happen? I'm sure it will be addressed in the next book, uh, <laughs> maybe. But um, I think I think that made it like you said, personal and very real. I mean, she really is going to have to. She's really struggling with what's best for her daughter and what's best for her. And of course, then there's Renee, who is still so in love with her, and you know, and it's so unrequited. I I feel terrible for him. I know, I know.
1: But Amy is feeling so guilty, too. You know, she's like, am I selfish? How selfish is this? But but I have to run a business. Mille says to her, well, you can work up in Brittany. You know, no big deal. It's like remotely, right? Which, mm-hmm. in theory, you could even then, right? But so uh, we would know reading. Now, you can do anything anywhere if you've got a good Wi-Fi connection. So, you know, it's it's doable, right? It's not like she's, you know, can't do it. So that's what makes it very difficult for her too. But you know, Amy, she's like, she likes a cafe at the corner. I mean, is there going to be a cafe at the end of the farm field? Uh-uh, <laughs> maybe. And,
0: you know, what about the fromagerie? And what about, uh, I mean, there'll be wonderful seafood in Brittany. That that goes without mm-hmm. saying. But, um, and, you know, Calvados and things like that. But, you know, what about her favorite bakery or croissant and, you know, it's, I think it's a big, I, I think it's a big decision and it really uh, highlights Amy as a person and as a mother, because I think mothers weigh this stuff maybe more than fathers, certainly more than Malacca, just as, you know, he, he's no longer with the police and he runs this security agency and I can do it from anywhere and I'm a man.
1: Just to say something in his favor, he's a good father. He's an excellent father. In- when it suits him, right? When it works in his schedule. And and okay, I mean, let's say, you know, many men are like that. But he's good when he's there, you know, and he, he will participate. You know, of course, his agenda is different from a maze. So, yeah, it's really, thank you for saying Crossroads. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that, but it's true. Really true. Yeah.
0: That's immediately what I thought as, as we were getting towards the end of the book. I'm not going to say another word. It's like, oh, my. So... You're going to Paris. I'm assuming yeah. part of it is going to be research. And I'm using air quotes because uh, it's a tough, it's a, I, we've, I've said this to you before many, many times. It's a very mm-hmm. tough life to have to go to Paris for months on end and research your book. So my heart goes out to you. Really <laughs> Thank fine. you. Well, hot
1: uh, months on end, but
0: actually, it seems like to the rest of the world, to the, those of us who, not to complain, being stuck in California is not exactly hazard duty. But even so, it's not Paris. Um, well, I've been very lucky
1: to get an appointment to meet one of the men, men or I guess it's a man. Works uh, or in charge of the canals, you know, the bridges over the uh-huh. canal, you know, how the locks and uh, canal the bridges, the locks, how, how it goes. And, and I just thought that that's a score, you know, I'm gonna get to meet him. And you know, that doesn't happen until I can do, I can organize that. I have to meet someone who knows someone who meets them. who, So, you know, I do have to hit the ground, walk the ground, you know, do my due diligence. I, I mean, I want to write about something I've seen. I mean, if it's possible, you know. He said to me, I'm not going to show you everything because that would be a security breach. I said, that's fine.
0: Right? Right. <laughs> I don't want so you to uh, take over the canal. <laughs> I take it. I take it the next uh, Amy LeDuc is going to be uh, involved with the canals and the waters. And they're pretty extensive. It's not just the Seine. Uh, right. Paris is a is a city uh, like London, with waterways throughout. Which which but which arrondissement are you going to end up well, in? Do
1: you know, it's the last arrondissement I have left. It's the nineteenth arrondissement. Oh, you mentioned so that. So you keep yeah, you keep going up. But just one thing you said about London and the little canals, and I know you're good friends with Les Klinger. Um, I've written a short story. Sherlock Holmes, of all stories, set in Little Venice in uh, London, which, you know, because they have those little houseboats on mm-hmm. it, and it's just so sweet. And, and I was asked, I mean, me, I don't know why, so, so I asked to write this story. And it's real, it was really fun, actually. Of course, it connects to Paris, right? Sherlock Holmes and all that. But but it's set in Little Venice, which I just, again, this, this draw of the water, uh, because there's so much atmosphere there. And in the 19th, it's, you know, it's, it, the you know, like, in London, I, I mean, the waterways were brought the, before trucks, right? Before semi trucks, they brought in everything, you know, and also these there's a lot of um, places where there were sugar refineries, very right? quite a few up there in the 19th, where it kind of forks. And they're used, to, of course, next to a sugar refinery, they would get the barge with the beets, right, they would make sugar from beets. And then from that, They had little biscuit factories. I mean, I'm not talking huge, but so the beets to the sugar Mm -hmm. to the biscuit, you know, all there. Not anymore, but so I I mean, that's kind of lovely in a way, you know. And there's a whole community of workers, right? Like in the 15th, where Renault, you know, Paris was always a very little industrial city, you know, small manufacturing warehouses, not huge, right? Like in the Marais, in the courtyard, there'll be silversmiths, or there'll be someone, you know, working on tire, you know. But there was that artisan, well, there's artisans, and then there's, you know, just craft people or people that have to make things.
0: You always okay. talk about food in the books, and it's, it really is torture. But Well, I'm going to hit the
1: patisserie when I get in. I'm sorry, I'm just warning you. I'm just going to hit the... You're not going to... I know where I'm going. You're, and you're <laughs> going to you post pictures, aren't you? I'm going to post pictures, definitely. A new place, and I can't wait. I can like get there and I can go off the plane, right? <laughs> Actually, I'm staying in the Marais, which is great at my friend's place. And it's literally, I can drop my bag and I can hop out, walk two blocks and hit this new patisserie. And I'm like, okay, I earned it, right? I, <laughs>
0: I had a big long flight, right? And I'm going to post a picture. <laughs> I'm a sorry, big long flight thinking. and a pandemic. Is this your first trip back since the pandemic?
1: I went in September. It was that little window we oh, had. Oh yeah, when we thought
0: things were going to be normal again. Yeah, I remember.
1: Yeah, I did a workshop. I taught a workshop with another writer, a nonfiction writer, in Bordeaux. Uh, which oh, first time there, I loved it. We were Nancy. We taught in a chateau, which you know we should all do. I mean, you should. You should organize, you know, like, a, I don't, she wrote, uh, she's nonfiction. She writes travel articles, all kinds of things. You should, you know, we could work together and get Denise and we could do a writer's thing at a chateau. At I a mean, chateau. That's yeah. that's the trick. It must be at a chateau. Of course. Of course. And there's a lot of them down there. I mean, there's a lot of them.
0: Thank you again for talking to us. I know you're busy. You you have other uh, appointments that oh. the life of a writer has become uh, pretty <laughs> virtual. You, I know you had a um, uh, meet and greet with our, our close friend that we love dearly Naomi Hirahara, down here mm-hmm. in Southern California. I was sorry to have missed it. Um, but that's sort of the exception. Now the rule is this kind of thing where you, uh, come out on zoom and, and it's both wonderful for people who can't get to bookshops or people that live in Japan. Uh, but uh, different for writers, different for you guys.
1: Truly, truly. Yeah. So, you know, this is my, you know,
0: excuse. There's an
1: event in Paris. I'm going to go do it. And then I'm going to reset, you know, and I, I think I need to do that, you know, and I should grab the opportunity. God, God, knows what's going to happen next because this might not be available for me to do right for you
0: know we don't know what's happening so we don't know what's happening but we do know that there will be another amy leduc oh and another um kate reese oh a sequel to three hours in paris
1: we're calling it a follow-up a follow-up um, okay it's <laughs> i don't know what why but i guess that's the, what i'm supposed to say said in 1942
0: in Paris. Well, she yeah, was fierce, cute. and she was she was a badass. So you've got a couple of badass characters, and uh, they're fun to read. And I look forward to talking to you. I look forward to someday seeing you in person.
1: And, Me too. Uh,
0: bon voyage, Merci. bon Nancy. chance. And, Merci. Uh, well, we'll talk next time.
1: Okay. À tout à l'heure.
0: À tout à l'heure. <laughs>